Welcome to the Flex Success Podcast, where we teach you how to be less shit. Covering all things science relating to nutrition, training, recovery, and more. Who knows, we might even sprinkle in a dick joke or two. <laughs> hey everyone, do we have a treat for you today? And it's a Balinese single origin coffee. Well, I don't think you can share that with everyone listening. I think I can. I've done it before and I'll do it again. Can I just say your special fancy coffee smells terrible. I hate smells like ugh. What do you mean? Well, there's a real smell, by the way. No, the treat that I have for you today is the fact that it's only been seven days since our last podcast release. Usually it's every second week. But what a treat, Dean. Wouldn't they all already have realized that it's a treat because they've received it and they're now listening to us, so they've decided, ooh, that's happened quicker and they jumped on? I don't know, Dean. Maybe some people don't know this. I don't know. But you're welcome. I think our uh, viewers and listeners are smart on that list. (laughs) Are you trying to say that I think our viewers and listeners are dumb? Is this what... He's putting words in my mouth. I'm not not saying it. Okay. <laughs> the reason that we're doing them one week apart, just for now, not ongoing, is because I have a masterclass that I'm hosting on behalf of Flex Success that's launching on Wednesday night, the 14th of July, and then Saturday morning, 17th. the 17th of July. Um, and I thought I would put a podcast out before then just to tell everyone that you are, if the spots aren't full, that is, you are welcome to come along to the masterclass. And the master- come hither. Come- if, if you could see us, ear people, then we'd be saying, come hither. Ew, Dean. This, this is not me grabbing. The de- For those just listening, Dean has put his hands up in the air. How are we describing this? As if he's fondling a set two of hands, nuts. Two hands, palms facing the ceiling. Yeah. As if you're holding something up that has a buttocks. <laughs> and then... Just gently massaging the fingers. It just reminds me of how you would play with balls and it freaks me out. Yeah. Um, but back to what we're talking about. So the masterclass, the topic is mm-hmm. cut, gain, maintain, which is what I am developing a online course for, also known as an e-course. Mm-hmm. And the masterclass pulls some important sections of that course um, and summarizes it for those interested in working out their individual needs for a cut, a gain, or a maintenance phase. Hence why we call it cut, gain, maintain. Pertaining mainly to energy intake, not their individual needs in that. Like maybe not your need, individual maybe sexual needs. Maybe they need a pat needs. on the bum when they do things good. Or... No, not your financial needs, <laughs> um, not your emotional needs. How many more ways can I derail this podcast? This I don't know, but you're doing a great job. <laughs> really good job. Look, I've got the barley in me and the barley is uh, it's, it's going strong. Good coffee, by the way. Is this a coffee podcast? Mm-hmm. Then put your bloody coffee down and shut up and listen to what I'm saying. It's good. God, you're annoying. You're welcome. I would slap you right now if it wasn't on camera. Um, yeah. So, Dean. Yes. How are you? I'm very well. That's good. Would you like an update? Because it's the same as about seven days ago. No, 14 days ago we did our own one, though. When so that is that I'm 13 and a half weeks out. And, and not quite yet a prick. There's going to be a few weeks until you turn into a prick, I think. Yeah, but I've been dieting for like, I want to say nine weeks, eight weeks. Everybody has definitely like a stage where they start to get real grumpy. Um, mm. But yours isn't until you're impressively lean. Mm. So that doesn't really surprise me. We uh, we bought a, a bunch of tech stuff. We got Rode, what are they called? Those things? We got Rode Go, Go Mics 2. So there's actually two lapel mics. They look really cool. Um, we also got ourselves a brand new camera, which we are not recording this on. No, 
but I but we will in the future. Yeah, so. I, I'll be doing a bunch of recordings for the uh, the course because the course is going to be pre-recorded content. Every week is going to have you know a bunch of different video lessons um, plus some downloadable PDFs, a little quiz at the end of the week if you wanted to take it, some further learning. So I'll be I'll be recording quite a lot of stuff, and I thought I'd stop recording on my potato phone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and get something good quality. If you have some nice or autofocus HD quality film. To learn how to use the camera, I decided to start taking videos and photos of my dog, our dog, Ruben. God, they're good photos. Yeah. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Have we done anything else? I'm going to get a new computer soon, but that's not exciting. That's not exciting. Let's no. not share that. Shall we just dive into today's topic? So we wanted to talk a little bit about one of the subtopics of the course which will also be discussed in the masterclass. Um, as I mentioned, the topic is how to understand your individual needs for a cut, a gain, or a maintenance phase. And Dean and I wanted to take you through four common mistakes people make in a weight cut. Mm-hmm. Now, I should start this off by saying I'm not saying a weight cut, you know, to make weight for a powerlifting competition. I'm talking about... Yeah, not a performance weight cut. We're talking about just literally cutting body fat. Reducing body fat. Yeah. And when we're talking about weight gain, we're obviously not talking about who wants to gain the most amount of fat possible. We're talking about muscle gain. So we're talking about a cut for fat loss and mm-hmm. gain for, for muscle gain. Um, now, so yes. Four main mistakes. Four main mistakes. For those who follow me on social media, yeah. you have already got a sneak peek into this. Uh, inappropriate expectations is the first one. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can talk us through why people might have inappropriate expectations, Dean. Because that their social media done fucked people up. Just is the scientific term. <laughs> yeah. No, I certainly think, well, you know, everybody puts up their, their best day in regards to their weight loss. They only talk about how much they lost over 12 weeks and how much they lost per week. They don't talk about the hurdles. Like everybody just puts up the highlight reel of their weight loss typically. Um, and we also have things like the biggest loser, which are giving people uh, an outrageous uh, sort of uh, situation whereby, you know, they're obviously inside a camp they're under closed doors, they're starved and exercised to the, to the absolute nine. So like those people are losing kilos and kilos per week uh, and people think that's normal. So poor expectations meaning people think you can lose fat faster than what you probably should focus on. Mm. I'd probably also add in there like shitty infomercials or companies trying to sell you their products, like lose 10 pounds in two weeks or yep. whatever. Um, and it's worth mentioning that it can be done. You can lose weight at a rapid pace but we're increasing our risk of not just muscle loss, but like mental preoccupation with food, developing eating disorders. Antisocial behavior. Yeah, like falling off the bandwagon and snapping because you're so grumpy and tired and hungry. Yeah, I think like as the severity of the deficit goes up, the negative adaptations also typically rise, which just means it's harder Yeah, across the board. I mean, we, we don't want to just take out 50 calories a day because... You're not going to make any progress or very slow progress. It's going to be discouraging. But we also don't want to move straight to rabbit food either for all of those reasons. Muscle loss, developing an eating disorder, the likelihood of you not actually sticking with it. Yeah, weight regain, high possibility. Yeah. Yeah. Poor relationship with food. Um, Or even just the perception of this being the only way because you've done it in the past. And because most challenges that are sort of sold online are typically about who can lose the most amount of weight in the least amount of time, those sorts of expectations require you to do extreme things and extreme things are certainly not sustainable. So 
Again, when people are only focused in on the numbers, the achievement is that's as if that's the achievement and don't have any consideration for the lifestyle. Yeah. Um, the expectations are just super skewed um, and people think that they should be losing more each week than what they probably can. Or oh, it's so profitable though for, for gyms to run an eight week challenge and give some prize to the person that loses the most, either as a total number of kilos or as a percentage of their body weight. Because we know that when people lose weight in, in such an extreme or rapid way, uh, most people, how many people do you know that's lost a bunch of weight really quickly and kept it off? I don't know any. Very few. Yeah. I, I don't know any. I'm sure some exist, but I don't know any. And that um, establishes the foundation for that gym to run another eight-week challenge again and another eight-week challenge again and another eight-week challenge again. Charging and it incentivizes the person to maybe not consciously gain the weight back to then rewin the challenge. Mm. But when they start to gain it back, they're like, ah, I'll wait for the next challenge and then I'll rip it off again and win again. Yeah. Like, so the incentives are all wrong. Yeah, losing muscle every time you do it, gaining more fat every time yeah. you do it. Yeah. Yeah, the incentives are wrong across the board. Yeah, uh, unless you don't give a shit about people. Yeah. And, and you're just business-minded. Yeah, trumpfitness.com. That's fucked up, trumpfitness.com. <laughs> Don't give a shit about people. I love it. Love it. Um, also, inappropriate expectations. We might want to insert the idea that people have this idea that weight loss should be linear, like I should be losing exactly one kilo every week, um, which comes down to, what, 150 grams a day on the scales. I don't know. I still use yeah. my hands to count, something like that. That's 1,050 grams. You nailed that. Hey, yeah. that's good. Um so if somebody gets on the scales at 59 kilos, tomorrow they want to be 58 point whatever and the next day 58 point whatever, 150 grams less than that is, without understanding that weight loss actually doesn't work like that, weight loss isn't linear because there's so many things that affect the scales outside of your body weight, fat loss or gain. Like did you actually go to the toilet before you weighed in? Is there any fluid retention? Are you Food on your monthly you. cycle? Yeah, do you have DOMS? Yeah. Exactly, food residue, stuff like that. Yep. Um, so we shouldn't be too concerned about day-to-day -day fluctuations, which are natural and normal. They should not be linear. We should be looking at the weekly average. And even then, sometimes we have a weight-stable week. Sometimes we have a weight-gain week when we've tried really hard and we have been in a calorie deficit. The scales don't always represent the fat that you've lost or gained. They're just one of the many guides that we have. Mm. Also, your results should be the success of your results should be referenced to your body weight too. So like, again, like we take the biggest loser. Most of those individuals are like a hundred kilo plus. Are you kidding me? They're like, uh, no, I'm saying a hundred kilo plus. Like some of the women might be like hundred. Some of them might be 150. Some of them might be 170, but I'm saying they're hundred plus, right? At least. For them to lose one kilo, 1% is actually not that difficult. No, 1% is within the bounds of reason. But if you're 65 kilos and you want to lose three, the goal shouldn't be to lose one kilo. A week, yeah, a three week the, diet. The relative change would be 600 grams. Uh, but I don't think people necessarily put those two and two together as well. So this, again, just muddies the water in regards to the expectations in that people look at the absolute number that's coming off the scale, yeah, which is affected by all of those things you said before, um, instead of looking at the relative potential loss, loss with a low risk profile for muscle loss. And yeah, all that yeah. As we mentioned, so. Absolutely. So yeah, for sure. The second one uh, is the second mistake that people make in a weight cut, specifically body fat reduction, not just weight, is dieting too strictly or extremely. Mm. I think we touched on this previously um, in the inappropriate expectations point. 
that if people start at a really low calorie base, they're too strict, the diet is too extreme, they're very unlikely to stick to it. This is called a VLCD, a very low calorie diet, which is, you know, like meal replacement shakes that we see advertised or um, the two VLCD days in like the five and two diet, stuff like that. Uh, I think way too big of a reliance on like extreme intervention to make change. Mm. So it is like that. It's like most people eat food for their their day-to-day living. And then when they want to lose weight, they go, cool, I'm going to eat, have shakes. It's like, you don't have to do that. Yeah. You know? Um, And then the extremity of that obviously then impairs their ability to have a sustainable life. Mm. Because they've got this kind of on a diet mindset and they're like, if they do get to their body weight goal, they're like, yes, I'm here now. Now I'm off a diet. And guess what happens? (laughs) Yeah. They go back to eating the foods that they think they can now eat, even though they're the foods that got them there in the first place. Yeah. Or not the foods, the calories associated with those foods, just that they're typically the foods they really like to eat. Yeah. So the point that you're making here is that like no particular food is responsible for weight loss or gain. It's, it's total calories. For sure. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. So obvious. (laughs) Well, obvious to us. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So it's not that, there's anything wrong with having stricter periods of time because if we are trying to do something with our weight, whether gain or maintain, sorry, gain or cut, there's going to be periods that we do need to keep a closer eye on things. It's the point that we don't need to go from zero to 100. Not only we don't need to, it's, it's usually harmful. Yeah. 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 It's like a continuum, right? Mm -hmm. It's like if you're someone who eats out four times per week and those four times might be kebab, pizzas, burgers, and sushi. Yeah. Let's go sushi. Right. And it's like, okay, well, I want to lose some weight. I'm going to cut back my eating. I'm going to have no, no meals out and I'm only going to eat vegetables, fruit, and um, well, for, people wouldn't say fruit because they think that's bad. Again, <laughs> fruit has sugar, Dean. Um, you know, they, <laughs> they just rip the band. Instead of just like peeling the Band-Aid back a little bit, they rip the fucker off and go, yeah. hey, I'm going to do it. But maybe what you could do is like instead of a burger, I'm just going to go a burger without chips and a burger without cheese. Still an enjoyable time, but slightly less. Yeah. Or maybe going to go... I'm Swap your eat, Coke for Coke Zero. I'm going to have two meals out, Yeah. you know? Um, there's no reason why you have to go that strict. And people that do do it, like you said, not only is it unnecessary, it's likely harmful long-term. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The third mistake people make in a weight cut is guesswork and subjectivity. You want me to Yeah, tell me more on expand? that. Um, we're using the, the Instagram post that I put up about this as our framework for the podcast, which is why Dean's looking at my phone. Um, guesswork meaning people think, oh, I'll just eat cleaner or I'll just remove this or that. That might work uh, in the initial stages, but if we don't actually know what our maintenance calories are and if our intake is below that, we're just guessing. So probably at first making a few big changes is going to reduce your calorie intake, but then you're probably just eating to maintenance calories once you've lost that first bit. Mm. But like you said, this is still guesswork though, right? In that... If you were that person that were having four meals out mm-hmm. and then you cut all of those meals out and ate at home only, yeah. it's likely you're probably going to consume less calories. Yeah. So then people go A plus B equals C, you know, like, oh, not eating out equals fat loss better. Yeah. No. When in actual fact, they've just reduced calories subconsciously without knowing because the food choices might be better. Yeah. However, if they can become a little bit educated on it and make some informed choices, then they can likely have the best of both. You could still eat out. Yeah. To maybe even up to four times a week. Without guessing. You just have to reduce your calorie intake from the stuff that you're eating at home. Mm. It's, it's, there's no right or wrong. It just it comes down to personal preference. I think this guesswork also parallels with the thing we mentioned before, though, with the uh, expectations of percentage of body weight that you think you can lose. Mm-hmm. In that 
if you're just guessing that one kilo is considered successful, then you may be setting yourself up for failure because your expectations are skewed. Mm. Uh, but understanding some of the sort of, you know, like expectations around like how much is enough to lose to be classified as probably like a successful week, how much is too much to maybe increase the risk of negative adaptations. Like all of these things that are essentially providing you a framework for you to then determine like what is success to me each week, yeah, each month, each three yeah. months, as opposed to just going, Mary lost a kilo a week. Why can't so I, I do it? I guess that's the right well, amount. Well, a good example might be my maintenance calories is anywhere between 1,800 and 2,100 a day. Depending on how many star drugs you do. Yeah. <laughs> Depending on a few different variables. So call it 2,000. I can eat 2,000 calories a day and maintain my 60 kilogram body weight. What are you maintaining on? Or what have you maintained on in the past? Because I know you're... you're roughly 40 times... Uh, r- roughly 4,000 calories-ish. Okay. Yeah. So literally double what I can eat. Yeah. So if Dean wanted to eat out four times a week and have a full sugar Pepsi, not that you would ever do that. Um, because or, Pepsi makes taste better. Do you think so? Yeah. I think you've just adapted to it. I don't Well, anyways, it doesn't matter. Point is Dean could get away with way more if he was looking to do anything to, to maintain or cut really than I could. Because if I wanted to lose a kilo a week, I'm looking at what? 1000 calories a day. I know. Fuck. Yeah. That's so low. I, I can. It's a 50% deficit. It's a 50%. I would never do that. I would Whereas never. Mine would be a 25% deficit. Yeah. At a, at a kilo. A week. I go from 4,000 to 3,000. You go from 2,000 to 1,000. Same deficit, same fat loss. I could hardly fit in my minimum daily requirements, my lean protein, fruits and veg. There's probably not much left over after that. Mm, if only air had nutrients. If only air had nutrients. That's right. I'll just take a multivitamin. <laughs> oh, so I, I just wouldn't. I, I couldn't get away with as much. I definitely couldn't fit eating out into a thousand calories. Yeah, this day. is a perfect example of guessing around how much you need to remove. Yeah. Because there are a bunch of arbitrary numbers that people say out there. Like, you need to take 500 calories off your diet in order to lose fat. Like, yeah, but what if I don't have 500 available to me? Yeah, I have, uh, I coach some girls that are very small they're you know 55 kilos and they want to lose a couple for whatever reason and their body fat percentage does allow for that without getting them into any dangerous zones but because their maintenance calories is so low because maintenance calories is largely dependent on your current body weight we can't lose half a kilo a week because they they would be eating below the calories that they need in order to get in their fruits veg and lean protein Mm -hmm. Like we just can't do that. We just have to stretch it out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is an unfortunate reality. The smaller you are, the smaller your intake. I mean, it's <laughs> se- it seems obvious, but <laughs> you know, like I know of a bikini girl in a contest prep that was eating 850 calories a day Whoa. and people would normally be like, Oh my God, you can't do that. It's but pretty she, low. She was 43 kilos. Wow. So like when you looked at it, it's like her relative calorie intake was about what a normal 55 kilo chick would be at the end of a bikini prep, you know? Yeah. Um, and this is the problem again with looking at these absolute numbers is you're setting yourself up for, you know, uh, false expectations around what you should be eating as an individual when you're comparing yourself to other people. Which is always unhelpful. You are you, they are them. And comparing is just harmful. Um, this is what I hope people get out of the masterclass, being able to establish mm. their ma- their particular maintenance calories. Once we know that or have an estimate of that, then I hope the rest of the masterclass teaches people what their calorie needs might be for a successful cut or for a successful gain. And they're very different. It's not like 
we just minus 500 calories or plus 500 calories. There's all these considerations. Um, and I want to explain that as simply as possible without oversimplifying it. Mm. Um, the masterclass is only 25 minutes, so I'm going to do my very best. Mm. Yeah, so we're so, getting an introduction as to the considerations for how you may determine maintenance calories. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, and people should be at least to be able to go away for a little bit of application there. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm. And if you want to learn more, there's always the opportunity to join the four-week course that is going to follow the masterclass. Or you can just come along for the freebie of the masterclass. It's yeah. cool, whatever. No hard feelings. Now, we've gone Oh, we through... will shun you on social media. <laughs> no, sure. there will be no hard feelings. <laughs> okay, we've gone through the first three of the four common mistakes people make in a cut. That is inappropriate expectations, dieting too strictly or extremely. Number three was guesswork and subjectivity. We actually didn't talk about subjectivity. Mm -hmm. Mind if I touch on it quickly Separate. before we move on to the fourth? Um, so subjectivity, what I mean is subjective feelings of hunger, say, or subjective ideas of your calorie intake. At first, if you've just kind of been eating whatever you feel like and, oh, you're not really hungry, but the chocolate looks good, we'll just eat that. If you move towards, oh, I want to intentionally lose weight, I'll only eat when I'm hungry. I'm not just going to eat because, because, you know, because you're feeling emotional or you're feeling tired or because it just smells good or something it's probably enough to lose weight initially because you're reducing your intake. But as we start to lose weight, our hunger hormone, our ghrelin is increased. So we feel hungrier. Um, our it even sounds like a prick. Ghrelin? The voice thing is like ghrelin the gremlin. <laughs> it does. You know? Anyway. It does, doesn't it, Ding? I apologize for uh, cutting in there. Another derail. I'm also a gremlin. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. In a few weeks. <laughs> We also have, uh, I guess we could think of it as like the opposite hormone to ghrelin, a hormone called leptin, which lives in our adipose tissue or our body fat. And it sends signals to our brain telling, telling our, our body that we're chubby and, and full and happy and we're not. <laughs> Is that an oversimplified way to explain leptin? Oh, I was going to try and do that. I'm full of chocolate, but I, I didn't want to butcher it. <laughs> no, he goes, what does he say? Don't make me run. I'm full of chocolate. Don't chase me. I'm full of chocolate. The, um, the fat Dutch guy from The Simpsons, right? Is he Dutch? He, I don't know. He's some form of Euro. <laughs> he could be German, Dutch, Austrian. Uh, something. something. Actually, probably more Austrian or German than Dutch. He does wear suspenders, doesn't he? Or am I making that up in my head? Yeah, I feel like he does. I feel like he might be German. Okay, let's go with German. Anyway, German. Anyways, so as we start to reduce our body fat levels, if we're just eating to hunger we're probably not going to be losing fat for too long mm -hmm. because our hunger goes up as we get leaner. So we can't rely on subjectivity. Uh, it's important to consult the hunger scale, which is something that we'll be mm. looking at uh, in the course. We don't have time in the masterclass. And that's really helpful um, and can help us reduce our intake and make it easier to do so and definitely has some application. But we can't use that only unless we're happy with a weight-neutral approach. Yeah. Meaning we, we neither care if we go up, down, or stay the same. Yeah, if you, you're trying to manage your body weight in some direction. Yeah, then it wouldn't be weight-neutral. No. Yeah. yeah. yeah um, I think that will be extremely beneficial to people because, again, we're talking about no guesswork. The guesswork being if you understand some of the, um, the theory behind like physical versus psychological hunger, which I know you're going to talk about in the course, it allows you the opportunity to then make informed choices around whether or not you actually are truly hungry too. Mm. I had a conversation about this with a client of mine just the other day. And uh, he said to me, like he was a seven out of 10 hungry or something like that. Not on the hunger scale, but like 10 being I'm fucking starving, you know, the opposite to the hunger scale. Yeah. Um, and I just said, I don't do hunger in prep. And he was like, okay, man, stop kidding yourself. 
I said, no, because like I see hunger as an opportunity to lose body fat for me personally. And I've learned to live with it so much so that it doesn't bother me. You've learned Typically. to be friends with it. Yeah, I have. Yeah. I'd be one with hunger <laughs> as I sit on my little yoga stand. <laughs> anyway, um, we just sort of talked about the differences between the two of them. And at the end of the conversation, he's like, man, this is a really good conversation. The next night he had made himself a homemade pizza. And he went, you know what? I was super satisfied at the end of that. I was not hungry. I just felt like I wanted to eat more food. And I started to really differentiate between the two. Mm-hmm. And now I feel like this might be much easier. Mm-hmm. And that was just because he became aware of his physical hunger versus psychological. And the understanding of that then made him no longer subjectively think, oh my God, I'm so hungry. Yeah. Because everybody thinks that when they're dieting. Yeah. His mental preoccupation and food didn't feel like an emergency anymore. Mm. And I think that's just uh, something we've always been about here at Flex is just the education behind the implementation oh man it's so easy just to say like eat less move more but actually putting that into practice is the hard part right don't be like a bitch man fucking like light bulb moment oh really eat less so it's so important to understand the practical application of this mm. to know what's going on so that we we need to understand the problems so that we can work on the solutions all right. uh, number four number is four. focus on the outcome, right? Yeah. Number no, four. No, is... no, 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 no. Don't focus on the outcome. <laughs> I've done fuck that up. That's the opposite. The problem is, the fourth problem is being outcome focused yes. and not habit focused. Yes, exactly. Mm. Or process focused. Sure. Habits or process. Sure. I tend to use process. I don't know why. You I think wanna... I stole that from you. No, no, no. You, what is that, that atomic habits language? Does he say process? I think he says habit. No, he says, he says system. He says system. systems focus. We change system for process. So I stumbled across the idea of the importance of being process focused, not outcome focused. Well, bef- this is for my prep for a strongman competition I was doing, which I crushed, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> um, before we read Atomic Habits. And in Atomic Habits, he talks about being systems focused, not outcomes focused. Yeah. So he, like, he, you know, he was teaching the same thing that I already had embraced, but he just uses different language. Yeah. Mm. Should we explain it? You, you can go. I think an easy one would be like, if you wanted to run a marathon, yeah. then you would know that in order for you to do that, you have to start with say running a kilometer mm-hmm. and eventually you need to build up your exposure. Maybe you get to 20 kilometers, then two by 20, then so on and so on. Plus right? the recovery. Plus the recovery, plus the food, the sleep, all that shit. Yep. If you were outcome focused, you would every day that you can only run one kilometer or two kilometers and you'll further and further, you'll feel further and further and further away from the, the, the outcome being the 43 kilometers. Two. 42 kilometers. I don't know about that. It's fucking anyway, 42. Um, Google it while you're speaking. Uh, um, then you'd be considering that as a failure. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you become system focused or process focused or habit focused, <laughs> you could use any of those. Three. Or behavior focused. <laughs> um, what you would be saying is that in order for me to achieve, yeah, they, I knew it wasn't the round number, 42.195 42. kilometers. Closer to 42. Um, yeah, in order for you to get to those, you would say, <laughs> if I do one kilometer tomorrow, that's successful. Tick that off. If I can do two kilometers by this week, that's successful. Take that off. Also, what other habits do I have to embark if on? If I can every get day? eight hours you know, sleep, I do yeah. my eight hours sleep and so on and so on. And I talk about this heaps with prep clients. Yeah. Like, take off your daily tasks in 15 weeks, shit will happen. Yeah. But every day that you're not at the 15 week mark, you're going to look at yourself and go, I'm not lean enough. And it's like, you're not, but you shouldn't be. Yeah. You know, and this the same is the process. Loss, you know, I'm not, I'm, I haven't lost six kilos. That's fine. You shouldn't have lost six kilos. It's week one. Yeah. You know, let's look at that at week 20. Yeah. So, yeah, totally. Um, because the outcome is just a symptom of the process. That's such a pithy line. Mm, It is. Um, And if we're not 
keeping a high standards to the habits or the behaviors that we need in order to actually reach the outcome, we're never going to get there, which is why it's so important to be habits focused, not outcome focused. Yeah. This is really kind of pulling from that age old concept of if you have a long-term goal, you need to break it down into small term, small uh, short-term goals, small-term goals. What the fuck? <laughs> Barley kick in, man. Come on. <laughs> Stupid coffee. Yeah. Like in that, um, you know, if, if I said like, Oh, I want to be 115 kilos and I was like, Man, that's going to take me another like twelve months. Fuck, twelve months is too far away. It's so it's so hard to like stick to the goal that's twelve months. Yeah, but it's actually pretty easy just to wake up and go. All right, what do I need to do today? I need to eat this amount of food. I need that amount of training, and I'm going to get that amount of steps in. Yep, and that's a, you're successful already because yeah. you've done the behaviors that you need in order to reach the end goal. You know, that I mean, time is going to pass anyways. Yeah, and this all ties back into the first one too. It's like you know, do I have to give up four meals meals eating out this week? No, like let's just nail three. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, and if you can be habit focused, you'll probably find, like you said, the, uh, the result will be a symptom of those habits. Uh-huh. Not quite as pithy, but very similar. Very similar, Dean. I like it. So those are the four common mistakes we find people make in a weight cut. And there's also four common, three common mistakes people make in a game. Uh, and there's also a group of mistakes people make when they're trying to maintain their weight as well. Mm. And I think weight maintenance phase is super undervalued. Oh, and probably the hardest. Yeah, probably the hardest. I mean, if you're trying to lose weight, if you're successful at doing that forever, you're going to die. <laughs> if you're trying to gain would weight... Win it, would win at doing it, though. <laughs> I mean, so successful. If, we really want to, if we really want to manage success, or sorry, measure success for weight cut, if you ain't dead... <laughs> you're not successful. You ain't doing good. And if you're trying to gain weight, it's going to take longer, but eventually you're also going to die. So weight maintenance phases need to exist somewhere unless you always want to constantly flip in and out of losing weight and mm. gaining weight, losing weight and gaining weight, um, which we don't recommend for various reasons. Yeah. We need to be able to understand how to have successful intentional weight maintenance phases. So we're going to go over the common mistakes in the masterclass for weight gains and maintenance, help you establish what your estimated maintenance calories are and from there how to use that to have successful cuts or successful yep. gains yeah, cool. um now we'll hand it over to the audience any question guys oh wait not in the master class yet <laughs> that's my biggest fear getting to the master class and being like how was that and everyone because from from my um years of experience as a group fitness instructor you learn to talk to yourself. Like there's a whole sea of faces and you're like, is everyone ready to go? And everyone's just deadpan. Just like single them out and pointed them at you, you in the yeah. room. So I'm, I'm a bit concerned that when the masterclass comes around, it'd be like, I don't, any questions? What were the main <laughs> things that you got from it? I'd be like, fuck, is my mic on? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Please talk to me in the masterclass. Yeah. If you come, please ask me a question. Yeah. Or don't, because it would be funny to watch somebody's. No, <laughs> no I've, I've, I'll just put on a wig. Excuse me, ma'am. <laughs> how do I get as pretty as you? <laughs> Don't ask dumb questions. I'll shave the back of your head. <laughs> I love my undercut. That's good. I like it too. It's actually head shaving day. Every second Wednesday, Dean touches up my undercut. It's the third Wednesday though this week. Yeah, so we're we're week. a bit late. Yeah, we're a bit late. Um, that is all. That's all. I've got a would you rather. Go. It's in tune with the uh, topic at hand. Go. Would you rather succeed in weight gain by eating yourself to death <laughs> or succeed in weight loss by starving yourself to death? 
the reason I'm choosing weight gain is because it will be a delicious process up to a stage, but it will also take longer. So I'll have longer on earth. Yeah. Yeah. But you'll also be extremely uncomfortable because you've got to constantly be overeating. Oh man. I'm, I understand. And then yeah. the walking difficulty, the training difficulty. If I knew I was going to die, I would, How would you? I mean, training. you might get better at twerking. <laughs> I was trying to twerk for Dean just as a joke the other day. I'm such a white girl. I could not do it. I think it ended up just bending and straightening my knees really quickly. <laughs> Would you change your answer if your time of life was different? So like if you were 70. Look, both would be very painful. If I had to eat myself into morbid obesity to the point that it killed me, it would be, it would be a painful process. Like I'm not, I'm not like making light of that, but I don't know, maybe like because I've done comp preps in the past and I've done diets in the past and like it sucks to be so hungry. Maybe like the pain of that is just more real for me. I don't know. I wonder which one of your quality of life would be better though for a point in time. I think this would depend on where you start. Mm -hmm. Like if you start small and try to overeat yourself to the point of death over like however long that takes, because obviously you're just trying to shut systems down in a very elongated fashion. I think the initial phase could be delicious, but then it would become a chore. A chore. Your life would change. Your mobility would change. Your ability to exercise would change. Like lots of the things that you do that you enjoy could but change. I could life. shop it. Um, oh, maybe that's offensive, Dorian. I'm mm. not going to say that. So there's this store that I love that only oh, yeah. has clothes for big girls. And I'm tr I've tried to buy clothes from there before because they just have awesome clothes. Um, but there'll be a point in time that I could fit into their yeah, clothes. So you've true. got something to look forward to. <laughs> but to go the other way, mm -hmm. food would still be delicious. You just wouldn't get much of it. And you could train yourself into a massive deficit, like a marathon runner. Mm -hmm. And then eventually just pull the food and you might just cark it pretty quick. Look, food would be more delicious when you're starving, literally starving to death. But that's all you would think about. Your energy would be so... Not that your energy would be... I don't know. Which one are you choosing? I don't know. You've got to choose one. <laughs> Dean, would you rather eat yourself to death or starve to death? Yeah, I probably would eat myself to death. Hmm. Because there would be a point in time in the starvation that also all of those life factors disappear. I just wonder if I would eventually become okay with my life changing significantly because I'm... 300 kilos. You just embrace it. I wonder how big I could get. You know, we should get one of those. Um, I want to wear a moomoo. You know, those like, like Homer, yeah. those things, those electric chairs that go up the stairs. Mm. We would get that for I us. need that for Ruben. No, oh, Ruben. Our dog is getting a bit too old to go up and down the stairs. At least he doesn't think so. He, he slips a lot because we have floorboards and his little paws. We're worried he's going to break a hip down the stairs. <laughs> yeah. We're thinking of getting... um. What's it called? Like a children's gate at the top and bottom of the stairs? Just one or the other. A safety gate? Yeah. Uh, anyways. So, that's so it. Masterclass on the 14th, Wednesday night. Yeah. If you want, you what have time? to register. 7.30 p.m., I think it is. Australian Eastern Standard If time. you go to the link in bio from my personal Instagram or from the Flex Success Instagram. We'll also chuck it below in the show notes. Yeah, we can yeah. do that. Uh, but there are limited spots, so jump on there ASAP. And then there's also the Saturday morning. Wednesday night is nearly full. Saturday morning, there's a bit of space. Yep. Uh, Saturday morning is 8.30 a.m. Um, cool. All right, something worth sharing. Hang on, when's the master class? Not the master class. When's the course going to go live? Oh, uh, uh, August 2. Cool. I believe is the Monday. So just like a couple of weeks after the master class. 
uh, but we haven't actually opened uh, the, the button for people to register for the course. After the masterclass on Wednesday night, that button's going to go live. Yep. Again, limited spots, but yep. no one has to rush that yet because the button's only live after so do. the 14th. Yeah. Um, do you have something more sharing? I do. If you don't. Uh, off the top of my head, I'm going to say if you're a bodybuilder who's interested in being an intellectual bodybuilder, yes. uh, follow John Jewett. He's an American fella. He actually has a thing called um, J3 University, which is like a course-based thing for bodybuilders as well. Super smart dude. What does the three stand for? I'm not sure. Um, I think he's uh, Maybe he's well got spoken. like three pillars. He has great mentors. Um, he is an IFBB pro, so he practices what's he, what he preaches. It's fantastic. I really like John. Seems like a good dude. Hi, John. Would have him over for Thanksgiving. Would you come on our podcast, John? <laughs> Actually, you might ask him. All right. You can ask him. How everyone will know if I failed. Bodybuilders respond more favorably to big jack dudes than little girls, so you ask him. This is true. Um, I have something we're showing too. Follow. I am a big reader. I read a lot. And I'm not too hot on fiction books because I just think there's so much to know and learn about the world. It's so interesting that I end up choosing nonfiction, usually philosophy, science, sometimes economics. But I started reading The Fault in Our Stars. I just had some big, like mentally draining work days and I just felt like switching off and reading fiction. I started reading The Fault in Our Stars. I actually, you know, you're not that invested in the beginning of a book. You're just getting to know the characters. I was crying on page 25. I was laughing out loud earlier and then page 25 just made me like, oh, and I'm sure, I mean, it's not because you got a paper cut. It wasn't from a paper cut. Because okay. that's why men cry. I'm, I'm now, <laughs> is it just physical pain only? Also sand in the air sometimes makes your eyes scratchy. Yeah. Someone's cutting onions. Yeah. Yeah, you know. So Fault in Our Stars. Um, someone said that I should just watch the movie and not read the book. But it's just, look, I'll, I'll watch the movie after. You know I'm down with that. I know you are. Um, yeah. But I will be crying in the movie also because I'm good at crying. Yeah. It sounds pretty brutal from the little bit you give me. I don't know. Maybe. So I can't ruin the plot because I'm only like five chapters in or something. Um, but the reason that I was crying is she's, she's talking about, it's written from the perspective of a 16 year old girl who has lung cancer yeah. and she's alive now, although still sick. And page 25 was talking about the time that she thought she was going to die. Her lungs were failing. Her dad was just there saying, I love you. You know, as her mum was saying goodbye and like it was, and oh, it was so sad. But I went through a stage where I thought my mum was going to die and she was in hospital. And it was really hard because I had just gotten a new job and I just started uni. And then I don't feel like my brother and my dad took it seriously. So I was the only one visiting her. Um, she didn't die. She's still alive, by the way. So it all, all ended well. We don't know about the girl in the book though. I don't know yet. Soon to find out. So I don't know if that's why it hit me so hard because I was like, I know how hard that is. <laughs> or if it is just because it was really sad and really well written. Mm. But read the damn book. The Fault in Our Stars. The Fault in Our Stars. It's actually hilarious. It's great. Hilarious um, cancer. Fucking cancer. Funny. Funny disease. Honestly, she makes cancer really funny. She, yeah. she meets this boy. Well, she's not a real person. So. What's her name? Fuck. So you can tell I'm new to the book. Her name is Hazel. So Hazel meets this boy that she starts flirting with 
And um, he asks, you know, like, when did you get diagnosed? And she was like, oh, when I was 13. But the thing that I didn't tell him was it was three months after I got my first period. The universe was like, you're a woman. Congratulations. Now die. <laughs> and like, just, just like the way she speaks about it is so, um, it's refreshing. It's great. Cool. Yeah. That's it. That's it. We'll end on the death note. Of course, they will do the awkward, guys. Mm-hmm. Nah, we would appreciate a share, a like, a subscription, whatever else you've got to do to make sure that our podcast gets in more people's ears or in front of their faces on YouTube. I think you can review it on iTunes, which boosts our... Yeah, give us five books. stars. We're not interested. If you're only going to give us three, keep them to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a screenshot with a tag for Flex or Dean and I personally would be greatly appreciated. Yeah. Don't keep us to yourselves. Don't be selfish. Yeah, guys. Yeah, guys. Not girls, just the guys. Oh, yeah, you know what? No, collectively, guys are girls. Can we just say, I like uh, when people say folks because it's more inclusive of guys, girls, and people who but don't I'm identify. Not, but I'm not from the country. <laughs> folks. Thanks, people. Okay, go with people. Humans? Unless you identify as a lamb. Humans? Oh, well, then that ruins that too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're inclusive. Bye, everyone. See ya.